What is up? It's your host, Alicia, and you're here for a good time. And so am I. Can you imagine if I used that line the moment I showed up to a guy's house for like a one night stand? Epic. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Here for a Good Time. We are here for the best fucking time today with Tara and we will get into why because we're going to be talking about a lot of my favorite topics. But Tara, I have to know what is a good time to you right now? In my body, not in my head, not overthinking things. Usually it revolves around friends or people that I love, lots of food. Food is always present. And usually we're moving our bodies in some way, dancing. I am loving dancing right now. I just started a brand new heels class. It's very like pussy cat doll vibes. And like, I'm loving it. It's so fun. It's just allowing me to just like tap into this new different energy. And it's, it's, it's a good time. I love that. What a vibe. And I feel like it's so much more inviting now, more so than before, to be taking these types of classes and getting involved in all of these things. And so for everybody new to Tara, today we are talking all things relationship to our body, sex, diving into her book. And it's just, it's going to be good. Yeah, It's a very taboo topic, I feel like, as well, especially coming from our backgrounds as well. And Tara, I'll let you get into that, too, because I think it plays such a huge role in everything. So in that case, let everybody know who you are. Yeah, so um, I'm an author. Your Body's Revolution, Healing Our Relationships with Our Bodies, Each Other, and Earth is my debut book. It came out this June and is available in bookstores everywhere, all around the world. I'm also an embodiment coach and somatic practitioner. So my whole job in my whole world is helping people come back into relationship with our bodies. Everybody that I know, the truest thing I know is that we all have complicated relationships with our bodies, no matter what kind of body we live in or what kind of background we come from. So helping people come back to these parts of ourselves that we've often distanced ourselves from, pushed aside and shamed and taught or conditioned that we should feel bad about ourselves or adjust how we show up in the world in some way and learn to come back into relationship with these parts of ourselves and trust ourselves again, maybe for the first time. Love. And that wasn't all the ways the case with you, right? Just kind of going back a bit. Because I feel like a lot of people are going to be surprised in terms of your background if you want to give a lowdown of everything. Yeah. So I grew up very, very strict, high control religion, conservative Christianity. I come from a mixed race family. So I'm biracial. My dad is Chinese Singaporean. My mom is like, I say settler Canadian because like really through chase our family lineage back on my mom's side, we're like early colonization here in Canada. And so, you know, Scottish, Irish, Icelandic, all of that kind of stuff, English. And yeah, very, very strict religious household there was an expectation of who we were supposed to be not ever an opportunity to discover who we actually are that was always dictated for us and so for me that's something that has been actually quite a journey of healing to break through all of the boxes that I feel like I have been placed into. And it's, that's something I hear clients saying all the time is, I feel like I had to fit into this box. I feel like I had to fit into this box. I feel like there were things that were taboo, shameful, that I couldn't talk about. I couldn't discover these things. And for so many of us, we felt like our love, our sense of belonging in our families or our communities that we grew up in was very much conditional. There was a certain expectation of who we had to be in order to fit belong or have the sense of safety in our bodies and so for me that has been a journey of feeling and coming back to that and that's the journey that i have the deep privilege of walking alongside other people as they're doing their own reclamation work i love that you brought up how it was fitting into these boxes because even starting this podcast and talking about things not only relationship but also sex and being super sex positive and everything it was a lot for me to also not have anxiety being like are people going to think that now i'm a slut because those two things have been like you know that label has been put on and being like oh well she talks about all these things and Mm -hmm. she's from this community and whatever so yeah now we're gonna label her as this because 
She's only been known to talk about A, B, and C. And now straying away from that and really talking about things that I want to talk about, it was a huge thing for me to be like, oh, it's actually okay too, because I think a lot of people are very scared to talk about these things. However, they have so many questions around it. And the fact that there's questions means that this is a conversation that needs to be had. Absolutely. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you come from a background like I did. Like, it doesn't matter if you come from the church or not, or were raised in abstinence only culture or not, right? Like, <laughs> this is something that has definitely seeped into the mainstream that a lot of people, regardless of your backgrounds, we feel that shame, we feel that taboo. We grew up in households that weren't sex positive, but we didn't get to have that open communication. And so a lot of us got our sex education from sketchy places <laughs> and a lot of us don't have comprehensive sex education so it doesn't even matter if we're grown as adults today we still have a lot of questions often about our body or our sexuality or like how do i initiate foreplay with somebody what does it feel like to be able to like i don't know feel safe in my body and explore something new or i have something this like cake that I think I have that I want to talk about with my partner, but it feels so scary to bring that up. What if they reject me, right? Like these things are so real and we often don't have accessible information about them or just safe places to just talk about it. Right. And we have some questions from listeners that I will be asking you. So that just shows you that there's questions to be asked and also answered out there. And there's people out there answering it. However, I want to know how you stepped into this because the Tara that I met Mm -hmm. back in, I think 2017 was when we first met is very different than you are today. And I love you in every single season of your life. But there is something so freeing about the way that you show up, not only for yourself, but also your community unapologetically. And I think it's so admirable. Thank you. I love that you've gotten to see me through these different seasons, right? Because we all, like, we should be growing and transforming. We should be asking the hard questions. We should be willing to walk away from things that are holding us back, that are limiting us, that are hindering our growth. And a lot of us maybe don't see that blueprint or we feel so attached to the way things have always been that we don't even give ourselves the permission to just dream about the way things could be. And so I love that you've seen me through those different seasons. I am very much a different person. I was still very much playing within the boxes of what was expected of me in 2017. I think for me, it was the next year, 2018, where things kind of in my life all crumbled around me. And I had to face the reality that I was not happy, that I was prioritizing everybody else's needs around me to the detriment of my own self. Like I could not continue with the way things were. It was unhealthy. It was unsustainable. It was terrible on my mental health. It was not good for my relationships. And I wasn't being authentic. I was being one version of me and there was authenticity in that, but it wasn't my whole self because I felt like there were these parts of myself, whether it be my sexuality or being a little bit more outspoken or asking her questions or I realized that I was queer a number of years ago. So like all of these different things were parts of myself that I had never had the freedom to explore. Mm-hmm. I never had the freedom to embody these pieces of myself because I was only allowing myself to be who everybody else wanted me to be. My whole self wasn't welcome mm-hmm. in my world. And so going on that journey of self-discovery to find my full self, to reclaim these parts of myself that I pushed away or that I just didn't even know existed, that has been so deeply healing. It was one of the hardest journeys because it resulted in me leaving my church, leaving my faith, leaving my marriage, leaving my career at the time, and then trying to figure out my own way on my own. I spent a lot of years in therapy. It's I spent a lot of days just in tears in wondering what is the point of all of this like that journey is so real and so I'm and I'm saying that in solidarity for anybody who might be listening or maybe even yourself that has been on that journey too like we see the highlight reel like you said we see what we see on social media we often don't know what goes on behind closed doors and somebody's alone like in their bedroom sobbing right or wondering what they're doing in life it's real right? Like that journey is real. Yet at the same time, I'm so grateful for that because that journey has led me back home to myself. And thankfully I found somatics. I reclaimed embodiment right in that, that really critical time. 
And coming back to learn how to listen to my body, to learn how to trust my body, to learn that my body is good, that my sexuality is good, that my intuition is good. All of these things have been so deeply healing. Love. There's so much passion when you talk, but I do have a lot of questions. Your sexuality, what did that look like and what questions kind of came up for anybody even listening to be like, oh, this kind of sounds similar to what I'm feeling and I have these thoughts, but I don't even know what's going on. What were some thoughts that came up for you during that time? I think it was, okay, one of the things that came up was 2020. We were all forced inside, right? It was like early, like spring 2020, like very early days of lockdown, stuck at home. And what was the one thing that we all discovered? Like TikTok. We all discovered TikTok out of nowhere, right? And it exploded. And there's something about the algorithm on TikTok that is more attuned, I think, than any other algorithm that exists out there. Like it finds the thing that you are looking for. It will tell you things about yourself that you did not even know. And so after a while scrolling through TikTok, it turned out that a lot of the things in my For You page were like, bi girls, lesbians. And I was like, oh, like I never considered this before. Right. But like clearly the universe, the TikTok gods are trying to tell me something here. Right. And so that was one of the things that like I started to question about myself. I started to realize that like, you know, I had never questioned it before. Again, growing up really strict, high controlled, conservative religion, like it was not even an option to consider. Mm-hmm. It was not even an option to consider. Mm-hmm. My church that I grew up did not treat queer people kindly. It was not inclusive by any means. They would say things like, everybody is welcome. And like, God loves everybody. But also there was always this nuance, this undertone of like, a certain person showed up in these spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And those people were not queer, definitely not openly queer. And, And even like, you know, preachers would like very openly preach homophobia and so it was never something that i had the space to question about myself i had never even considered it quite honestly because i was like i like men i like who i'm supposed to be attracted to and i'm very attracted to those people and so why would i even consider anything else right it's like i'm straight and then tiktok wonderful tiktok it showed me that like there's this whole other world of beautiful people that i can have connections with that i can be attracted to and even though i'm very much still in a straight passing relationship being bisexual being queer is still a really big part of me and so i love that that's been a discovery that i've been able to make for myself and yeah i love that i get to be part of this beautiful community where everyone actually is welcome we don't just have lip service to that but everyone actually is welcome and it's really beautiful totally and that was going to be my next question was what was it like mm-hmm. when it came to dating and starting to explore okay what is this going to look like or what can it look like what did that look like i mean i think it looks like any other journey when we start to consider what could be possible right Mm -hmm. it moves us out of often this binary of i have this option or i have this option what's behind door number a and what's behind door number b right and maybe we can just take down all of those fences those boxes the walls that we're using to limit ourselves and have this wide open space where really anything could be possible where we're looking at everything with curiosity or we're looking at everything with possibility right and so this does not mean that just because you're bisexual or pansexual or queer that like you're attracted to everybody i mean (laughs) these same still rules maybe apply like just because i'm attracted to men doesn't mean i'm attracted to all men right like it's it's the same you're still looking at at what is actually compatibility and, and all of these different things that are really practical in the real world sense right but it just gives you the possibility to maybe look at the world from a different vantage point, mm-hmm. whether this be discovering your sexual orientation or your identity, or maybe trying something new, like I'm trying this new dance class, right? Like when was the last time we tried something new or we looked at something from a new perspective? Totally. Do you think a lot of people are really scared to explore that side because of the questions that might come up for them? Sure. And- they might be afraid to confront that yeah. and be like, oh, but this isn't what I've been following the yeah. last whatever 30 years of my life. Yeah, I think it can be. I mean, I think it's sometimes life is like 
playing a game of Jenga, right? Like what happens when we pull out one piece and we shift it around, right? Is it going to make the tower fall apart? And I think that that is the question that holds a lot of people back. That's the fear that so many people have that limits us, Mm -hmm. that really hinders our growth. Well, what I found is like sometimes things fall apart because they're meant to. And that's the thing that leads to our healing. That's the thing that leads to our growth. That's the thing that leads to our liberation. Totally. That goes for, I think, any aspect of life, not only this. And I think we can also see that you coming into yourself as well and learning to heal your body and your relationship to your body. When did that start? Because I think that's a journey in itself. And there's so much behind that to unpack. So of course you don't have to get yeah. into it at all, but it also goes hand in hand with how we see ourselves and yeah. how much we respect ourselves. And I know there's a lot of conversations in your stories as well that I read all the time of mm. how women also talk about their body parts and their relationship to it or how they might feel about it, which is mm-hmm. huge. And I would love to go into that too, but where did this kind of start for you? Yeah, well, for me, it started with asking the questions and pulling on the Jenga pieces, pulling at the threads and seeing how the tapestry upholds or doesn't uphold, right? Like, I am a nerd. I am a total researcher, okay? Like, I love looking at the data and the facts and the history and and I studied sociology and anthropology in undergraduate years. And so, like, looking at all of these things, like... How did humanity come to be? How did we get to this point? Like what were the building blocks, right? And so when it came to my sexuality, like you said, like there's so much taboo. There's like, are people going to think that I'm a slut? Are people going to think like this, that, and the other thing? We have so much of that, right? Like we all know that there's this prejudice against a woman who owns her sexuality. We Mm -hmm. make these assumptions, right? And they're deeply ingrained in our society. They've been around forever, right? We hear things like, oh, don't fornicate, don't be a fornicator, or whatever they are, at least judgment against loose women, right? Sometimes it's always on the women, which seems incredibly double standard and incredibly unfair. Agreed. But like that, even in and of itself, of like the idea of fornication and this idea that we need to be virginal and save ourselves until we're married and not have sex with anybody other than our eventual spouses, right? Like this idea, where did this come from? And so I really dove deep into that. And I studied and this whole idea that talks about fornication, it came from this activity that was happening in the ancient world, right? Where women who were selling sex would sit under the what are those called? The the like points of a building, right? Because they were standing out in the rain. And the root word of fornication leads to the name of these these points in the building. And so they're saying, like, don't go and do that because then, like, you're somebody who is buying sex from somebody who is often vulnerable. Like, it's not sex work when we're talking about it today, where we have different social safety nets that exist out there. Yes, exploitation still happens, and we never want somebody to experience violence in the sex industry. We never want somebody to be exploited. Heck, I spent 10 years fighting against these things, and I still absolutely stand against these things. But also, we don't want to be telling somebody what they can or can't do with their body right so where's the balance where are we maybe trying to to like help people who are victims who genuinely need help and support and when are we just slut shaming and using prejudice and taboo and stigma and judgment from a sex negative viewpoint right Mm -hmm. and so what i found is when we pull this back when we look at the words when we look at what's happening socially in the ancient world where all of these things come from like two thousand years ago 2,000 years ago, the world was very different. And so what's being condemned here is not sex outside of marriage that's consensual and safe and mutually flourishing for all parties. What we're talking about here is men who had money and who had social power using that power to prey upon people who had absolutely nothing else. And that's why we're, we're seeing people say, like, don't be a fornicator. Don't do that. It's not just 
this simple, we can't take these things at face value because we're talking about a world that's 2,000 years ago and so incredibly different from mm-hmm. what we're talking about today. That kind of exploitation, that kind of violence, that kind of abuse, taking people, taking advantage of people, we should all condemn that. But that's not what we're talking about when we're trying to be sex positive, when we're talking about very normal, age-appropriate human sexuality. That's not what we're talking about. And so this idea of purity culture, of abstinence-only education, of shaming people for their sexual choices or their sexuality in general, that's just not accurate. Mm, What a mic drop moment. Mm. And I couldn't agree more with you because there's so much to unpack there as well of Mm. just people's beliefs and what they've had ingrained in them since they were so young. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just repeating these things that we don't even know where they come from. Right. And I think one of the reasons why we really shame people who own their sexuality or we have fear around women who real, especially women that own their sexuality is because a woman who is in control of her own body, her own fertility, her own sexuality is a very hard woman to control. Dang, I could not agree more. And then you're also talking about all this. And I'm like, it's so interesting because we're talking about not wanting to be called a slut and stuff like that. However, I am somebody who in bed loves being called that. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. where is this disconnect of me being like, wait, I'm scared to be called this by the public. However, behind closed doors, like that's where it is. (laughs) I'm the same only with my partner, only with the person who has earned that place, who is safe, who is trusted, who is respected, and who I know respects me. And I think that's the thing, is when we're able to take back control mm-hmm. over the things that have been used and weaponized against us, that's so incredibly powerful. Like, I've had people who, with very malicious intent in the past, have weaponized the word slut against me or weaponized the word, like, cunt against me like everything in my body wants to cringe or bitch ah she's such a bitch like can Uh you believe that bitch when i really peel that back we call women bitches usually when they're standing up for what we want for what they like want and the way they should be treated rather than the way we want to treat them they're pushing back on the way we treat women and oh she's such a bitch because she's asserting her boundaries or she's going after what she wants. And that is in direct opposition to what you want from her. So you call her a bitch. Dang. Right? A woman a cunt. Like, yeah, if if being a bitch means standing up for what's mine and standing up for my boundaries and not being walked over like a doormat, then yes, I'm a bitch. Then yes, I'm a cunt. Then yes, call me those things. I'm going to reclaim that and I'm not going to feel bad about it because I'm not the one who's in the wrong here. Mm-hmm. And where did we kind of like stray away from that? Where did we kind of fall into this like, oh, if she stands up for herself and sets these boundaries, then she's A, B, and C, which is so I mean, crazy. How, how yes. else do you want to talk about this? Right? That's like, I, I like misogyny, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we preach these things so openly of like yeah. set boundaries. Like, I feel like that's been the theme of last year and even this year the amount of quotes i've seen about setting boundaries however the moment somebody does it and it goes against anything that you believe in yeah god forbid yeah and this is the work that we have to do right this is where the embodiment work now comes into alignment with our values because this conditioning often still shows up in our nervous system right like you have a visceral response to being called a slut Mm -hmm. out in the world Right. right. We fear it. We don't want it. We don't want to be called that. Right. Like, yeah, that's terrifying to us. What will that mean about my character? What will people think? How will they judge me? Will that affect my business? Will that affect my relationships? Like we have all of those very real questions that run through our mind and through our nervous system. And so our body wants to do what? It wants to silence that part of ourself, prove them wrong. Be like, no, but I'm not a, a bitch or a slut or a cunt or whatever word is being called against us, whatever insult is being weaponized our way, right? Like we try to prove them wrong to show that actually I'm not a threat. Actually, I'm not a bad person. We try to prove ourselves rather than being like, I know that I'm not any of those things. I know that I'm not in the wrong. I know. And I don't have to prove anything to anyone because I know where my heart is good. I know where I haven't harmed other people. I know where I haven't lost my integrity or stepped out of alignment in the way that I value people and I value myself. 
right? I have nothing here to apologize for. So why am I tripping over myself to prove that to you? It's because these things are ingrained in our nervous system and we don't feel safe because at the end of the day, humans are still pack animals. Mm-hmm. And what happens with these herd animals, we fear the isolation and the eventual threat of death that comes when we are rejected by the community. We don't want to experience that. So we do everything we can not to feel that abandonment wound, not mm-hmm. to feel the pain of that rejection and to prove our goodness to others. And the reality is that we're wasting all of our energy on the wrong things and we have nothing to prove to anybody. So good that you brought that up because I think that's huge, at least in the South Asian culture of like not even talking about these things. However, I'm like, there's probably shit that comes up for so many women, especially South Asian women, and they have questions. And I'm like, where are you going? Like to understand these things about yourself or all these urges that you might be having. And this just, I think, opens up that conversation of being unapologetically you and stepping into that. And I think there was a huge part of me even like doing stuff like this and talking about these things was I'd rather talk about it than not because I feel like even if it helps one person step into whether it's their self or their sexuality, I have done more than enough. And it just opens up way more conversations than just shutting down what society has been telling everybody all along. Yeah, I mean, totally. And the other thing that I know is that when we do have these conversations, you and I are both going to have things that we discover about ourselves too, right? Like, this is the difference that I'm learning about this work, about this embodiment work, about whatever we want to call it, spiritual work, whatever, that is different than just personal development, mm-hmm. right? Because this work, embodiment work, spiritual work, whatever we want to say, whatever language we want to use, it's always going to lead to our liberation. And that liberation is always going to lead to the collective liberation that we all get to experience together. That is the difference between that and just personal development or personal growth, right? Like our healing should always lead to these beautiful ripple effects of healing and liberation for everybody. Because at the end of the day, ultimately, we are all intertwined. We don't exist as an island. We are all connected in some way or another. And that needs to be our focus, that when we break these cycles and we choose a different path for ourselves and we reclaim our whole selves, we heal the triggers that pop up in our body, we heal the way we view ourselves, it's ultimately going to heal the way that we view one another. Because now I'm looking at other people, people who maybe like are hurling insults at me, and I'm looking at them like, where are you wounded? Where is this coming from with you? Right? Like, what's going on within you? Are you okay? Because, like, maybe there's another conversation that's happening. If you're going to have such a hateful, visceral response to me, it's clearly triggering some sort of unresolved wound in you. And maybe that's the conversation we should be having instead. Right. So it shifts things and it helps me view other people with so much more compassion because I'm also learning to view myself with that same perspective of compassion, too. Mm. I love that you brought the community aspect of it because it almost Mm. is a great segue into Mm. the questions that kind of came up for a lot of people. And the number one question that majority of the women asked was, how do you help your partner Mm. help you orgasm? Ooh, such a good question. And one of the biggest things, like, I'm not surprised that that is the thing that you kept (laughs) hearing pop up in your community, because this is the thing that I deal with with a lot of my clients, right? A lot of people come to me because they're on some sort of healing journey, whatever that looks like for them, healing from cultural taboos or purity culture or religious trauma or they're struggling to be able to achieve orgasms. I have this one beautiful client who will come to me and she's like, I know I am capable of huge orgasms, right? And so we're doing that work to help her body start to feel safe with that. And yes, some of it is the technicality with partners or the connection with partners. But honey, like so much of it is the work that we do with ourselves, right? We have to take responsibility for our own orgasms and wondering like how many of us are existing up in our heads all day long and not actually dropping into our bodies. I would wager that the majority of us struggle with that, right? Like how many of us deal with anxiety and overthinking? Like 
everybody. How many right. of us live busy, busy lives, right? And then you are expected to just switch it on when your partner is, and you finally get a moment of time where you're able to connect and both happen to be aligned in the mood with your libidos and everything. And like, great conditions are perfect, but like, I can't get out of my head. I'm still thinking about this report I have to finish. I'm still thinking of the to-do list I've got to do. I'm still thinking of all these things. I cannot shut it off. I don't know how to shut it off because we don't know how to drop into our bodies because we don't have a relationship with our bodies. Wow. Actually, now I'm thinking about it because I'm sitting here and I'm like, hold on. And it wasn't until I started getting more in touch with myself that I was like, both literally like that pun intended fully is when it started to happen Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, this is okay. It's all clicking. So how are all connected? (laughs) They're all connected. And this is why, like, my clients are used to me hearing me say, like, sex is everything and everything is sex, right? Because, like, the things that they will come to me to help heal, to work through, to learn, to, like, this is the problem I'm trying to solve and I just can't figure out how to get off this hamster wheel. Okay, cool. Let's work on this together, right? Like, let's try to figure out what's going on in your inner world. Where are you disconnected from yourself? Where are you disconnected from your body? Where is shame showing up? Where is social conditioning showing up? What's your family of origin story? Like so many different things are contributing mm-hmm. to this. It, there's no magic formula. There's no like one thing, right? And so we start looking at all of these things. We start trying to figure all of this out. And like the thing that I find is that the way that we show up in the bedroom, if you're struggling, for example, to ask for what you want in the bedroom, you're probably also struggling to ask for that raise at work. You're probably also struggling to advocate for yourself and say, this is what I want or what I don't want when it comes to your families and maybe asserting your boundaries or maybe speaking up for yourself and like, hey, maybe I don't want to go through the same family holiday tradition. Like, man, you should see the bookings I get around Christmas time, right? Like everybody's like, oh my gosh, I thought I was healed. I thought I was doing good on my journey. And now I got to go back and see my family and like... (laughs) Man, I need some extra support because shit's about to get real, right? Like, they're going to trigger me in so many ways that I thought I was healed from. But, like, that's that mirror that's going to show you this is the work that I still have to do, right? And so noticing that these things spill over from one area to another. And if we're able to heal one thing that's unresolved, that's probably going to also create a ripple effect in so many other areas of our lives, right? And so if you're struggling to orgasm, there's so much more that's going on than the surface that maybe we can spend that time and really like start to sift through, start to notice what's going on. What is your body holding on to? Where are you blocked? Where is shame showing up? What are the social conditioning or the negative thought patterns that are looping around in our brains? Why have we left our bodies making us feel really disconnected from our bodies? Like shit, we leave our bodies for very legitimate reasons. And I know that sounds silly. Like, when do we actually leave our bodies? But we go and live in our heads often if we've experienced pain or trauma in our bodies because it's hard to keep feeling that pain or trauma, right? So we distance ourselves from it the only way we know how. And then before we realize we're just so disconnected, we don't know how to get back. I have questions. (laughs) Okay. So when it comes to, because you were talking about the dynamic between asking Mm -hmm. for something in the bedroom versus- work or your environment, wherever it is, and setting those boundaries. But Mm -hmm. what happens if you are super confident in asking for those things in your work or business or wherever? However, when it comes to the bedroom, it's the other way around and it becomes like, you just want to be the sub. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people do that as well too, right? Like some, this is the thing that I love about sex and sexuality, right? Is that it is maybe the one place that we can embody our whole selves. Now to be able to get that liberation, we need first to have the safety to be able to fully unpack and bring our whole selves, right? So that's often where we end up spending our time doing the work is reestablishing the safety of clearing out the things that are holding us back, the traumas, the social conditioning, the negative thought patterns, the triggers that are popping up in the least opportune times in our bodies, right? Like we're doing that work. That work is real. That work is so important, right? But we do that so that we can reestablish safety because when we feel safe in our bodies and we feel safe with our partner, heck, then 
the nastier we can get. The more that we can ask for what we want, the more that I feel safe to maybe in this like more BDSM dynamic, be more submissive to somebody that I have already established the trust and the intimacy and the connection with and the safety that I can then say, hey, I can place all of this trust in your hands and trust that like by being the more dominant person in this scene or this experience, whatever language we want to use, BDSM language tends to call the scene, right? But that's really just an experience of this playtime that we're having, right? Like that work and that trust comes from knowing that you're not going to be using that power to dominate in a way that is going to cause more abuse or pain or exploitation or violence. And I'm not talking about like pain sensation because sometimes people like pain sensation. Right. I'm talking about emotional, mental pain, spiritual pain. I'm talking about pain to your psyche, pain to who you are as a person, right? Like mm-hmm. we're putting our trust in that kind of a BDSM, like subdom dynamic. We're putting that trust in this person who we know has our best interests at heart, that we know by trusting them, we can let go of that overthinking. We can let go of that need to control, to keep ourselves safe. We can let go and we can melt and soften and allow our body and our mind and all of who we are to release the armor that we often carry around all day long because we're with the one person in the one place that we feel safe to let that go and experience something almost otherworldly that allows us to access that part of ourselves that we maybe can't get there just solely on our own. I think the word that came up a lot while you were talking was safe and just to kind of dive into that because I think it makes the biggest difference. And even looking at my past experiences, there were experiences where I was like, oh my gosh, this doesn't feel right. Like I'm anxious during this entire thing. However, on the other hand, there have been now more recently, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, I can just kind of let go and be present in this moment. Where does that come from? Of course, there's like healing and all that trauma from before, but do you see a lot of like high functioning women who are kind of in that same scenario? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that served us well, right? And because I I do work with the body, a lot of the work that I do is trauma-informed and it's a lot of nervous system regulation, right? Because our nervous system is often driving how we show up in the world, the way that we respond, the things that we say, how we behave, right? Because we're, our bodies are craving safety, always craving safety. And the world that we lived in, let's let's be honest, like the world that we live in is often not safe. Like the world that we live in is often deeply traumatic everywhere we look, right? And so we have learned to adapt. We all have coping strategies. We all have like survival strategies that we go to. And so one of the ways that we named these is like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? And the high functioning woman has a nervous system that is stuck in a state of flight. Mm. We see this and we actually praise this often because she gets shit done. (laughs) She's very productive. She's goal oriented. She's driven. None of these things are bad. And in fact, having a nervous system that is responding in any of these ways is not a bad thing. They're good things. They're beautiful, adaptive ways that our body is so wise and has strategized for our survival and does what we need it to do to keep moving forward. The problem is we also see high rates of burnout then because living in those that place all the time and being able to switch into it easily, it's much easier to switch into it. It's much harder to switch out of it, right? And so staying in a place where your body is responding with go, 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 and we're performing and we're getting shit done and, you know, like that high achiever rate is great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful, but it's not sustainable in the long term. And so we need to then learn, again, through nervous system regulation or other somatic skills, now how to move out of it back into a place of safety. Because when you're back in a place of safety, that's when you can now welcome back your creativity. That's when now you have the abundance, the excess to not have to be running around and maintaining this certain level of productivity, but we're now able to now sit back and go into our rest period, to go into like our soft girl era, to go into Mm. the place where we're able to now receive, bring more pleasure, slow down, receive more, right? Like there are different states of being 
both are good, neither are bad, neither is one is greater than the other. But ideally, we want to be able to move flexibly through both. Totally. And speaking of pleasure, moving into toys, yeah. what is a beginner toy that somebody could start off with? Because we had yeah. questions around that in terms yeah. of, okay, I want to start exploring this and even incorporate it with my partner, but I just don't know where to start and I don't want to go yeah. full on butt plug right now. Fair. Sure. Yeah. And the answer is going to be a little bit different for everybody, right? But whatever feels easily accessible for you, that's the starting point. For a lot of people, our like beginner toys are things like vibrators, maybe like the bullet vibrator. It's small, it feels less threatening. I know have a lot of clients that when they're looking for beginner toys, like they want something that doesn't look like intimidating or maybe somebody wants something that doesn't look phallic right so there's a whole world of options that exist out there the best thing to do is to just start looking at things with curiosity so if you want to look at things within the safety of your own home i love that online shopping is this great accessible beautiful option for so many of us and so just simply starting to click through and see what am I gravitating towards? What am I not gravitating towards, right? And maybe that's the one thing right there that we're holding ourselves back from, right? Because like, I'm afraid to even start looking at these things because right. even like the whole world of just like looking at an online sex store looks, feels so incredibly intimidating. It feels so out of my comfort zone, right? There's all kinds of stigmas and judgments and taboos that we may have just about that just about buying lube just mm -hmm. about looking for a dildo just about anything right and so right. recognize that that's popping up in your body noticing that that's coming up that that trigger is presenting itself because triggers are the thing that's going to show us where we still have dealing work to do it's just simply and i i walk my clients through this all the time we need to move out of this like polarity of like it's good or it's bad we have put a morality onto everything and these triggers when they pop up in our bodies can be simply neutral information um, doesn't have to mean anything it's simply showing me that oh this is somewhere that i can know myself a little bit better now i could take responsibility for the way that i'm responding i'm reacting right? Because it's making me feel a certain way in my body and I don't like the way that it feels. So I'm going to try to shut it down and run away from it. If I can just look at it with curiosity, it's going to show me so much and give me so much feedback as to what's happening in my real life. Totally. And you're bringing that up. And I remember even just going to my first sex store and being like, oh my gosh, this feels so wrong. This is very yeah. taboo. Like, what am I doing here? Am I supposed yeah. to be here? What if somebody sees me going in? And I'm like, what why somebody would somebody be going to think outside of it? Waiting yeah. for me to go in. But I love that you also bring up the online space because it just gives you so much more, almost like freedom in whichever way you're comfortable with to yeah. be able to explore these things. Mm -hmm. And go for it yeah exactly yeah and feel free to go at your pace right like this is something again my clients hear me say all the time is we only go where the body gives full consent when was the last time you asked your body for consent when was the last time that you actually went at the pace that your body set and you only moved as fast as what felt good in your body? So often we push our bodies forward and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing in the name of healing. And I don't care if it feels uncomfortable or if it feels wrong. I'm just, we're just going to dive in and we're just going to do the thing, right? Like that could actually be re-traumatizing. We don't want to do that to ourselves. We want to go slow if our body is asking for slowness because then we're not missing all of these beautiful lessons and beautiful healing opportunities along the way, right? Like this can be something that can be like really profound experience for us that all of a sudden helps us unlock this new piece of ourselves that we didn't even know we had, right? And so going in at the pace of your body, listening to your body, noticing how these things feel and not feeling like you need to push past that communication that your body is giving you is a really, really helpful place to start. Speaking of your body, your body is a revolution. Where did this title come from? But tell everybody a bit about the book. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's my little baby out in the world now. It's been out just for only three months, so it's still very brand new. Your Body is a Revolution, the title was birthed out of, you know, the previous work that I had did politically and with human rights and realizing that every injustice in the world begins with the body. Look at racism, sexism, ageism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, like all of these things are how we push people into those boxes. We put people in categories. And a lot of those categories has either given people power or taken away people's power. It's allowed people to be seen or not be seen or be invisible, right? And a lot of that invisibility has led to deep, deep oppressive injustice. And so realizing that the source and the through line in all of this is our body shows that our body holds incredible wisdom. So that our body has incredible power, right? And coming back into relationship with our bodies helps me now to realize, again, where can I take back the power where people said I was too much? Like how many of these high achieving women have been told that they are too much? Like just settle down. Like who do you think you are? Are you arrogant? Do you love yourself? And yet at the same time, we're feeling like we're chasing this like I can never measure up standard. Like Mm. did you watch the Barbie movie this summer? I did. So good and so relatable. Like there was so right? much about that, that all the layers, man, all the layers of the entire movie, like absolutely every little scene, every word of the script held so much meaning. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the thing is like we can relate to so much of that because mm-hmm. all of these things that have existed within society, politically, socioeconomically, right? Like it impacts our relationships with our bodies, all of it right? And we've made meaning about it. Uh, I should be thinner. I should lose the weight. If you're a person of color, maybe I should have fairer skin. Like that's an entire industry that has existed of skin lightening lotions, mm-hmm. right? Like these things are real. And and so of course it's going to impact our relationship that we have with our bodies. And of course that's going to impact the relationships that we have with each other. So your body is a revolution helps us to really compassionately look at all of the places that we're disconnected from our bodies and then through really practical supportive ways to help us to move back into relationship with our bodies to reestablish that mind-body connection in a way that is healing that is compassionate that is reclaiming the parts of ourselves that we've often felt like we couldn't embody and then allowing us the freedom to really express ourselves in a liberative way that is meant for the healing of all people. I love, I love that there is a space to read about those things and really Mm -hmm. become more self-aware and in tune with your body and what questions are coming up and how to navigate them. And also I will be linking it in the comment area. So everybody go buy it. It It's good shit. But before we Mm. sign off, Tara, I do have a question. I am a full-on doggy style girly. I have it tattooed on me. What is your favorite sex position? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's some great ones. Also, love that that's a tattoo on you. (laughs) That's amazing. It really depends. Okay, here's the thing. Is that like, I have noticed that I have varying, I don't know, an energetic spaces that I come in and out of like I still have a menstrual cycle I'm not on birth control right and so like I notice at different points in my cycle if I am ovulating for example it's a different kind of sex that I'm gonna want right if I am in a very luteal space where like my period's gonna come soon and I'm feeling really like emotional and like sensitive and like tender in my body and I just want something really sensual and like hold me and caress me and I want that connection and I'm gonna want like maybe missionary because it's gonna be like more eye contact right Right. where I can like look at you and like hold your face face of my partner and be like hi like I love you and I'm here in my body and in the present moment with you and we're sharing this like really connected deeply intimate experience that's a different type of sex that I'm gonna want than if I'm like ovulating right and I'm feeling like really like juicy in my body and I've got like a high libido at that moment and I'm like I'm gonna like whip my hair and I'm gonna like you know like ride you and I'm gonna I want you to like throw me down on the bed and I'm gonna have like a little lap dance in your face like (laughs) that's a very different energy that I'm gonna bring because I'm feeling a different way in my body right and so like that's one of the things that I've loved 
the wisdom of my body of knowing that part of myself to be able to now tap into that. And like, I, again, what you like, how you show up in the bedroom is going to like impact how you show up in the boardroom and the kitchen and all these different parts of myself. And I notice those nuances. Mm. I actually use my menstrual cycle and my like sexual energy throughout the month, the way that it like ebbs and flows. And I bring that even into my creative, like professional life as well too. Not in any inappropriate ways, don't worry. But I just noticed that like when I when I am in like my like very like ovulatory phase, right? When I'm approaching ovulation, I'm gonna have a lot more creativity. I'm gonna have a lot more energy. I'm like, let's do all the things. I'm gonna yeah. do all the projects. I feel like ready to go. But that's energy, as we all know, is gonna start to like ebb and flow. And I'm gonna move into like, I really wanna be cozy. <laughs> and like today, I'm just gonna like drink my tea and I'm gonna be a little bit more reflective. And like, you know, I'm gonna evaluate what's working in my business and what's not, right? And so, like, being able to tap into that energy and also harness that erotic energy in like non sexual capacities as well, too. Mm-hmm. It's been a whole other life hack that has been so fun it's been deeply healing to anything that like the sexual or like taboo social shame of around menstruation like all of this has been really fun and really life-giving and such a cool way for us to just ebb and flow with what's happening in our bodies ask for what we want when we want it have our boundaries and like really live in a fun juicy way Love. What a revolutionary answer right there. Right? <laughs> and it can re- literally revolutionize everything. Like I plan my whole like life around my menstrual cycle because being able to like half that means that I'm not forcing myself into this like 24-7 productivity when my body is saying, actually, no, I need self-care this week. And it makes such a difference. I mean, I just started to get my period again because I got my IUD taken out and took my listeners through that journey and stuff. And so getting in touch with that too has been so game-changing, especially when it comes to my productivity and how I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. it all just makes so much sense. But how can people work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah. So easiest way just to stay connected is all across social media at Miss Tara Tang, M-I-S-S-T-A-R-A-T-E-N-G. My online home is my website, taratang.com. And there you can find information on what it looks like to coach one-on-one with me. If you're looking at maybe like, hey, actually, I do feel really dysregulated in my nervous system. I do feel really disconnected from my body. I struggle to have an orgasm and it's so freaking frustrating when you're trying to climb that mountain. You feel like you're never going to reach the peak, right? Like, these things are maybe showing up for people in their lives and they're wanting that healing. Like, please feel free to talk to me about anything. Shoot me an email. The contact form is directly on my website. You can also book a call with me free 25 minutes. We can have a call, see if it's in alignment, what coaching might look like one-on-one, see if it's a good fit. I also list any upcoming events that I have. If I'm in a city near you doing live podcast recording or women's circle or a book signing or retreat or anything, these things that are happening so all of that can be found online and yeah please just don't be shy to ask for what you want or ask for what you need you'll find it out there and you'll find the right thing whether that's me or somebody else you'll find it oh and the book the book exists in bookstores everywhere in print audio and ebook everywhere books are sold Amazing. And we have your social website and your book linked below. So tap through and slide into Tara's DMs. And don't forget to subscribe and rate to your girl. And we will see you next episode.